Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski and I'm here with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Not too bad. We're very excited. We have a guest in the studio today, Aaron Poole, actor, producer, and now director of one of our favorite shorts. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk to Aaron first and then we're going to talk to you about some of our favorite shorts that are playing as part of Shortcuts, as part of this year's Toronto International Film Festival, which starts on September 5th. Don't kid yourselves. It's coming fast. you got to get your tickets. And we're going to tell you about the shorts that you got to get tickets for. Don't Also, do not kid yourself on this one because they sell out quickly. All right. So, welcome, Aaron. Hi. Great to be here. Aaron made a film called Oracle. I think it's a very special kind of film. Thank and you. And you'll see why in a minute. And, yeah, so I, I mentioned that you're an actor and a producer, and now this is your directorial debut mm-hmm. about a little boy and his vivid imagination and possible nightmares and hallucinations due to the anxiety that's, a, like, basically within the whole house mm-hmm. due to some renovations that are going on. Yeah. So, <laughs> the explanation is almost longer than the short itself. Every time I try to give a, a, a premise, I just end up talking too long. <laughs> I know. I started laughing because I saw your face. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I, it's the same face I make when I try to explain what it's about. <laughs> the thing about movies that are short is that uh, you can be really concise with the images. So it, it focuses everything. Well, that's the brilliant thing about this film is that – okay. That didn't sound complicated. It took a little while to describe, but it's not complicated. No, not at all. But what happens on screen is actually quite complicated, which mm. was I was having trouble at the end with describing like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I think you might like me if we uh, if I left it that way, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's first okay, let's start with this move to to being a director from from the place of actor and producer. Mm-hmm. How did this come about? Well, um, it's interesting. I just sent my daughter off to university. So I think that it came out of having a little bit more or the specter of having more time on my hands. I I still act a lot and enjoy it very, very much. Um, But I think the idea of using some of this new free time to create work and to build communities around the stories that I want to tell – um, was exciting for me. And, uh, yeah, so this is my first shot at it. So I take it you didn't have any formal training as a director. Like, you seem to have picked up a lot because what you've done is very cinematic. Oh, thanks. It is not something that just anybody can do. Thank you. And that that's the beauty of the simplicity of the story is that that's what makes a great short. That's what makes a great film sometimes is just keep it simple plot-wise, mm-hmm. and then the visuals do, can do all the work, and they are doing a lot of work here. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, I know I studied theater as an actor and have worked a lot as a creative producer with people uh, who are you know, adapting shorts into features and novels into features and getting to sit beside them in the editing room and being on set either as an actor or a creative producer, I think, is has has taught me a lot and certainly you know some of my favorite films are um a little bit more abstract and suggestive with their imagery so that i guess is uh the experience and the people that i i, I drew from to make this one and where did 
the idea of using renovation as a launch pad come from? Because that, when you think of that, you think of chaos in the house, but you take it to, dare I say, a terrifying level mm. in, in such a short time. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there the idea of a physical space changing um, is something that I, I grew up with. I The home that I was born into um, is an 1850s general store on the way to Penetanguishene. So home renovations were constant. And so I think that's something that I drew from my past. Um, but in living in Toronto, I'm constantly bombarded with, you know, the changeover of entire neighborhoods into condo towers. And I am aware of the effect I think that it can have on longtime residents. And so I became curious about a simple exploration on a sensitive consciousness, a sensitive human being. And I think that was the jumping off point. Wow, that's brilliant. And I love the fact, it sounds like you made it as a standalone. Some, Definitely. Some people make sure it's, you know, to show mm-hmm. like a preview of their feature. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this was a short film idea, which is my favorite kind of short. Mm. Although I do love the, you know, the other ones that are, okay, that's a, that's a good way to show me what you can do. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, but really in my heart I, these are the ones that have my heart and i'm i'm i feel the same way as you do i i think that the the film marketplace globally is such that an unproven director must somehow show people what they're capable of doing and i can understand why people might want to i guess paint the corner of a large canvas in great detail to suggest something else um but the kind of work that I always really like in terms of visual arts are, even if they're small or short, um, are complete works and standalone works. That's right. And it does stand alone in mm-hmm. that way. And now that you, you've brought up you know, the whole greater uh, sense of construction that we're all so surrounded by mm-hmm. um, and we're all sort of swallowed up in, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, the film becomes relatable on a different kind of level. You know, it's it's not just us and, and this kid. It's like then that's when the discussions – I mean, we were talking before about how discussions of a film can suddenly become longer and longer and, mm-hmm. in this case, longer than the film itself. Yeah, right? And true. you've just opened the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wild. I, I, I think, you know, it's interesting how people are relating to the film. Um, definitely the sense of – of dread is and anxiety is something that people are um, curious about, and in some cases it's being seen as a horror. Um, and I can completely understand that. Um, my hope is that, regardless of how it's classified, that people can sort of sit with it like a, a, a tiny little object and uh, allow it to kind of um, dissolve in their glass of water. You know. Uh, let it, its images have effect over time. Yeah, we see. I would argue that it's not completely a horror, at least, and that's not the way I took it. I, I took it as um, more um, suggestive than that. Mm-hmm. It had that element, and I could have fallen. Not mm-hmm. fallen into that, but could have followed that. I, I for um, me, I, for I, me, there was also the, this bright brightness as well. 
That's interesting. So it was I, more suggestive. Interesting. So the the brightness you, you you don't mean literally necessarily. You mean like a sense of uh, hope. Hope. Yeah. Interesting. I'm really that's that's really uh, I like hearing that mm-hmm. because certainly I, there's potential uh, for something else other than you know doom and gloom in it, the end. Exactly. But I think even in the the darker aspects, it's still very fascinating. Like I I'm one of those that felt towards the, the latter half mm-hmm. it, it dips its toes into horror in really interesting ways mm-hmm. not um not your typical jump scare jump scare mm-hmm. thing but just really interesting psychologically like how your imagery with the balloon and the mm-hmm. stairs i wonder if you could elaborate more on because though, to mm-hmm. me those a balloon is something that you think of as joyful mm-hmm. and then i mean you have it now and mm-hmm. then in your film takes that to an even new and interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you also have the stairwell, which we've seen a lot in films this year where it could be leaning to heaven or hell, right. metaphorically. But in your case, I felt like the child was almost stuck in limbo. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so terrified by what's at the top, mm-hmm. but still not unable to move down below. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you could just speak of like how you came up with those two markers mm. for for visuals cool yeah great uh great questions my interest in the balloon comes from uh first of all a dream that i did have as a child um that when i tried to remember i believed what i experienced was a balloon or a bubble of some sort and in elaborating on it in my script i think that it 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 is a great representation of kind of an innocent gaze, a curious gaze, and um, and and also an object which um, is benign. Y- you know, a balloon in and of itself might have sort of an innocent suggest uh, suggestion, but compounded by it floating in utter blackness. Um, and then seeing sort of one after another after another sort of approach you, um, the idea of infinity or an endlessness starts to grow in this like innocent curiosity, this innocent gaze, and it becomes almost too much for the young boy to contain in his imagination and within his experience. So that, that for me was a good first step from in the material construct of, of my imagery. And then um, the stairs were a lot simpler. Um, as written, I had imagined a different home, shooting in a different home. But when it came down to the nuts and bolts, we actually had to shoot in Toronto. And so I had to find what was available. And, uh, and the stairs just had this great maroon, thick, carpet on them the walls were uneven and so i worked with uh my dp nikolai uh to to just frame them such that they could be a a purgatory they really are a place between literally first and second floor but as contained by the frame you know we have a, a four three aspect ratio almost square and so it keeps that kind of claustrophobic um uh proscenium for the image well, that was actually going to be my next question about the the framing because I did get that sense of claustrophobia through, cool. throughout, even in the the calmer times. Mm-hmm. At, at the at the beginning, it, 
the the framing forces you to really focus in on the child and I know so even the parents are never quite in focus mm-hmm. and was that intentional that you wanted them there but not really there so that you're with the the child the entire time It was really important for me to create images that could be interrogated if you paused it every single object has a purpose Um, And I found if I was getting into a wider screen format, um, I would have less control in what was a very small home and uh, and what is ultimately a really small film, you know, very short film. So I I wanted to uh, to just keep a tight space that I could control and in that build a sense of uh, a narrow claustrophobic perspective. Wow. You guys are interesting. (laughs) <laughs> I have this completely different, I guess, memories of my own child as, the, as this little freak who just loved to cocoon herself into corners Amazing. and, you know, spaces like nooks and stuff yeah. and, and just let my imagination go or have a book or, you know, I used to, like, <laughs> I have to say, I used to adoringly read over and over again Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, so even when the film took on this, like, grim aspect, it was just... To me, it was just imagine the child's imagination. It was a world of imagination where anything goes. I, I that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's true. And 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 all our talk of like claustrophobia and dread mm-hmm. and, and tight perspectives in no way negates that experience. Like, no, definitely. the thing is, the both yeah. co- the both um, yeah. versions that we're talking mm-hmm. about here are film. that sa- are the same film. Yeah, yeah. and, and viewers were definitely really- viewers will probably get a a third or fourth. Oh, take you're on gonna on get tons of <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the thing about making a movie is that you now have this object that that people can look at and talk about. And I'm finding it's really interesting as a filmmaker. I have this thing separate from me that people are now free to comment on. And I find they're much more candid with me about the good and bad experiences that they have with it than they have been with my, say, performance work in the past. I think people are really scared to talk with actors, frankly, about what they like in detail or what they don't like in detail because it it seems much more personal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so as an artist, I'm really enjoying just having, like, you know, made this thing that everyone can just, like, chat about over dinner. Exactly. <laughs> and your Q&As, I think, are going to be really, really interesting. It will be. I mean, I'm in a really cool program, Program 6, and there's a lot of very interesting Canadian work as well as international work. So I, it's going to be so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Q&As generally can't go that in-depth for each director because I think that there are – Seven in my program alone. Okay. Yeah, that's true, actually. But in other festivals, you're going to have to, like, travel around the world and come back and tell us about some of your Q&As. I'd be be happy to. (laughs) (laughs) But in the meantime, just if you could briefly talk about Albert Shin's The Experience. Because, you know, speaking of actor, you're an actor in Albert Shin's movie, which also debuts at TIFF this year. It does, yeah. Clifton Hill, I think, uh, premieres in the first weekend. I can't remember what night. And uh, but it was really interesting shooting in Niagara Falls um, over the winter. Um, I was there only briefly, um, and I, I can't really speak about my role, uh, Soren to Secrecy. No, no, that's fair. That's <laughs> but, fair. Uh, but Albert was a, a new collaborator for me, and I thoroughly enjoyed working with him. Wonderful. And that yeah. film has been getting a lot of good buzz. I'm really excited to see it. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. After mm-hmm. seeing Albert's first film, 
Which, of course, the the title escapes me right now mm-hmm. when it's actually really important to remind people mm-hmm. of the film that he made. It's not In Her Place, is it? Yes. Is it? Yes. Okay. All right. There you go. Thank you. All right. Three word titles are usually <laughs> not on the tip of my tongue, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, this is wonderful. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm not kidding. You, you come back. I, come back I anytime. I promise I will. <laughs> okay. Great. All right. We're going to take a little break and we'll be back in just a minute. Okay, you're back with Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski here with Courtney Small, and we're going to continue our focus on the shorts at the Toronto International Film Festival for the 2019 edition. Yep. And, uh, well, we've got a few. <laughs> I had lots of favorites. It's really hard to narrow them down. Do you want to start? Uh, sure. There was one that I liked um, called Life Support, and I believe... And I loved it too. It's, I believe it's part of a, it's going to be part of like a CBC short series or, Mm -hmm. yeah. um, So this is one installment featuring two prominent Canadian actresses um, whose names are skipping my head at the moment, but they've been in many things. I I most recently remember them from the show Androids because I have young kids. But (laughs) anyway, it's based off of, I guess, a, a newspaper article about these two women who meet while walking in the park and actually it's not it's um, a first person account oh it's a series the globe and mail does Mm -hmm. where you write in about an experience you've had ah okay that's so this encounter seems innocent at first and then one of the women divulges um, something that's on her mind a a something that's very personal that you wouldn't normally tell a stranger and it causes this really interesting connection and also just overflowing of emotion. And even though what she says is heart-wrenching, the film is surprisingly optimistic. And yeah. it's, it, it, it works wonderfully. It's shot in black and white. It's a very simple premise, but they pack so much emotion and craft. And again, it's partly due to they've got seasoned actors mm-hmm. doing this role so it doesn't feel forced at all it's just a, it's a great short yeah and what i actually liked was the fact that um visually it's simple as well mm-hmm. it keeps things very controlled very simple and so therefore uh, it relies completely on the performances but on what happens in because what happens in what that woman reveals is enough and so the fact that it's presented in this controlled environment really allows you to appreciate the what happens emotionally between the two women. And I have to say, like f- these images are uh, m- memorable, evocative, gorgeous. But that final image, yes, yeah. it's just it's special. And so it, that that alone, you know, gives you. Gives you enough reason to go see this film. Life support. It's really fantastic. One of the women is um, Jane Eastwood. Yes, yes. And so, right. yeah, she's 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 been a fixture of Canadian cinema and television for a long time. So anyway, so that's life support. And where do you want to go from there? No, it's, how about you list off one that you like? Okay, well, I'm going to go international for a second. Sure. 
Um, there's a film called She Runs, and the Chinese filmmaker uh, who won, who made it, she won um, the runner-up prize at the Cannes Short Film Competition oh, this okay. year. Yeah. And she won for Best Film a couple of years ago. And the film, and I'm a terrible uh, broadcaster right now because I didn't get re- get the name of the short that she made before that won at Cannes for Best Short. Well, you know what? So you, I'm a lousy person. No, no, no you're, promo- you're promoting right this one, though. <laughs> and if yes, she's, had, if she's had two winning shorts, and that's a testament really, to her filmmaking. Internationally winning and internationally recognized. So, so this is... Um, this is a really heartfelt kind of film about a young girl, and as the film progresses, you're not really sure if it's feelings of inadequacy or just frustration at because she's that age, you know, and her her life is so regimented. Um, she lives with her father and her grandmother. Something happened to the mother, so there's possibly this, you know, this discontent from the the absence of the mother, the death of the mother, some sort of trauma. And dad is like really tough on her, like like parents can be, especially if he, he's all she he she is all he has left. Right? So he's he's taking the the tough approach. And it's really important to him for her to succeed in something. She's not doing well in school. So she's part of this aerobics group that's supposed to perform, and she's not doing well in that either. The coach is also, you know, on on her. And the way that this is shot is is absolutely brilliant. It's it's like you know we were talking about the use of cinematic elements and control. Mm-hmm. Like the film knows when to have incredibly controlled images, very still, very static with the action going in and out of the frame, right? Suggesting movement, but not in the frame. And so there's a focal point in the frame where where despite all the motion, you're focused here. And that creates a certain tension in this case. And then the filmmaker knows when to change it up. When the camera starts moving, something's wrong. It's, it's like always something's wrong when that camera starts moving. Yep. And that just... Uh, uh, accents the actual tension as well of the whole film because she's in this terrible situation and we don't even know we don't know what what is wrong with her mm-hmm. you know but we feel for her and in the end you know she makes a decision and it's, i'm telling you just in terms of like provocative i'm sorry evocative in terms of evocative and like just a brilliant showcase of filmmaking talent yeah. Like um, this, this film she runs is. Uh, I think you can't miss it. Okay. And there's a lot of good short films that focus on female leads and and women's stories. On mm-hmm. one, I will bring up is Hot Flash, which is an animated tale about a weather reporter who's going through a change of life and is having hot flushes. And it leads to a lot of um, comedic exploits as she's trying to go about her day dealing with a boss who is changing her um, 
stories last minute and every time she's trying to cool down the men around her always seem to catch her at the most impromptu of times inopportune yeah yeah and through through the course of i guess a day she ends up having to throw all shame aside and and still save the day and be the unsung hero while going through but that's accidental right that's accidental she's going through these extreme which is what what actually makes it kind of hilarious especially if you're a woman because it's like yes yes Mm -hmm. you know finally somebody gets it um but uh, it's it's funny because you know the, the the animation is pretty straightforward. It's hand drawn, but it's kind of out of scale. Yeah. So people's heads are really tiny, but you know, <laughs> other things like are happening that are you know not quite to scale, and you really it's like a subtle way of really focusing your attention on things. She's always red. Mm-hmm. She's just always red. There's a snowstorm out. Everybody's like, you know, d- you know, just so happy that it's warm inside, and she throws open all the windows. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, it's, it's really well it's done. A really witty script. Absolutely. And I, I would throw in, keeping along the lines of animation, women, uh, flesh. Ah, yes, that was great. Is more serious in tone, um, but. Using various types of animation styles, I think it was like painting, claymation, just various styles, and it focuses on five um, different women of different ages in different stages, different stages yeah. of their life, all telling a memorable experience in their life, um, and a lot of those seem to be at first embarrassing or potentially horrific but yet they all turn into a positive yeah they it, it's how they all come to terms with themselves mm-hmm. and their body and it's beautiful that way especially because it goes you know from the youngest experience you know which is menstruation and it goes through all the different and it goes through different body type living yep. with different body types and it goes through different experiences and uh, different ways of accepting yourself but but that's that's what I loved so much that the fact that all these differences and in the end, it it's really um, underlining acceptance, mm-hmm. and stylistically it's fabulous. Yeah. It's absolutely f- fascinating how the filmmaker just masters each, you know, has a way of punctuating each one and just keeping them in all these different styles, and it's it's not. It's not simple. Like it's, it might be simple animation to start, but then you know, then like you said, claymation and um, oh, the 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 one with the yeah, uh, what do you call it? Stop motion. Yes. But the one you know, the, my favorite was the one where it's almost like, like it's painted, painted onto photographic images. Mm-hmm. You know, and in vivid, vivid, like the most vivid of cov- colors. And it's just it augments each story. It's just really powerful as an anime as an animated film. And that's that to me it's like if I can if I can just throw in a film that isn't women positive but is in the vein of look what animation can do. Sure, go ahead. Look how strong strongly it can convey what it's trying to convey and it's it's almost like magical because it doesn't have the boundaries, the limitations of um real life like realism it's Mm -hmm. it's not realism it has to start from somewhere and that somewhere is usually you know a blank a blank something and you have to put something there even if it's going to be something from real life you have to animate it right 
But this film that I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, a typical kind of drawn animated film. It's called And Then the Bear. It's a French film. Okay. And this this is a, uh, this unreal quality that that I think Flesh also has, and that a lot of animated films that really are strong do have, and that's the beauty of them, is that the unrealness that tends towards abstraction sometimes, but that can convey something that is so real. And in this case, it's like the power of young people. It's an, it starts with an angry young boy, like the situation of this angry young boy. And then it turns to almost this like pulsating. And it, the the logic of the film becomes the logic of the rhythms, of the patterns in the film, that's that's the logic, and that conveys sort of the rage, and this like this suddenly the, that's the rhythm, that's the logic of the film. Is not a story about this boy. It moves beyond that mm-hmm. into something bigger, something more universal, and something that encompasses more people's experience universally. And, and uh, that's the only way I can describe it. Oh, is this, there's this like the logic of the rhythm, the patterns, the pulsation, and then you can feel the rage. You know? Oh, that sounds fascinating. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Shall we move on to what I consider? We both agree this is an amazing film. And to me, this is like his masterpiece. Which one's that? This is uh, our own Theodore Ushev, Canadian, oh, yes. uh, at the NFB. He uh, He's won lots of awards. We see his films at festivals. Blind Basha was, I think, nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful as well. Yeah. And and I followed his career, and then I'm watching this, and I thought, no, this is his masterpiece. Oh, I, I love everything, but this had this power that went beyond, you know. And it's called The Physics of Sorrow, and it's got his signature painterly style. It's like, a, like an impressionistic painting in motion. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's like pulsating in a way, and then that pulsating movement uh, <clears throat> lends itself into a like a motion. That's yeah. how you get the motion is from the pulsating of this painterly style, just like brushstrokes, you know, brushstrokes in motion. You know about the power the power of of humans. You know everything that that people survive. It's biographical, so it's everything he survived. The universality of suffering and the universality of people causing people's suffering. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting because on one hand you're you're watching this tale that can be taken as a coming of age tale, can be taken as a cautionary tale, and then on the other hand you're also fascinated by the visuals on the screen. Mm-hmm. Like after watching it, like I was thinking about the story itself but then i was also thinking how did he even do that (laughs) (laughs) how long did it take to make this what was the technique it's it's just a a very layered and rich work yeah he's always been able to do that but this this one like i said this is like the the ultimate ushev experience it's like the very best of everything he's ever done Mm mm-hmm and maybe because it's biographical, that seems to like bring out the best in people when you know they're that familiar with something when it's theirs, then they have this sort of energy to keep going further. Plus, he's a master filmmaker, so by now, I mean he's no he he's only made shorts, but you can still have master oh, <laughs> filmmakers yes, in yes. the short film world, and I think he should be celebrated. Yeah, and I and I think this. I mean, Blind Vasho was 
highly celebrated, but I think this one as well will mm-hmm. put him in another another tier, if there's even a higher tier to go than what he already is <laughs> at. Yes. Oh, this, that one, Physics of Sorrow, absolutely, seriously. If you don't go see shorts, just go see this the program with this one, which if you don't go see shorts, I don't know. What? Why? Yeah, there's the the short selection this year is is just phenomenal. It is. Um, it is. They've put together a brilliant <laughs> program, and I will highlight one that it's not animated. It's a documentary, but I think a lot of people should see. It's called "The Ink Runs Deep," and it's a film that looks at the art of um, indigenous. Tattoo, tattooing and how it's making a comeback in mainstream um, culture and how a lot of indigenous tattoo artists are not only perfecting the craft and bringing it to a whole new generation, but there's also now more academic thought being put towards it. And the film talks about how due to residential schools and laws unfortunate laws where indigenous people weren't allowed to practice their culture, that particular aspect was lost and is now slowly coming back. So you have now younger generations who are getting into it, starting to do the research. And then they also talked about um, cultural appropriation. And one tattoo artist slash academic was saying that how people who are now starting to get into it have to understand you know, it's not just a cool tattoo to have these designs. They, If you understand the cultural meaning and you are supporting it, then you're okay to have it, right? Mm-hmm. But is, this is not just, hey, this looks cool. Let me Yeah, get it's that not done. just like something it's, you yeah. do for show. And it's very interesting, like just the layers and also the sense of empowerment it, it's giving. Like, you know, there's, I think it was one woman, uh, one female tattoo artist who was talking about, I think, her grandmother who... It was a, a member of her family that at a, yeah, a particular late remember. stage in her life finally mm-hmm. got a tattoo and kind yes. of felt connected. I think it was her grandmother. The, was, she was 70 culture. when she got yeah. it. And it's, and it's just a fascinating film. Yeah, and I love the fact that it's tied to individuals. There are individuals telling stories of their own, mm-hmm. of of how they have come to be tattoo artists. You see some of their tattoo art, but you hear the stories like that one about, you know, how not having it was a sort of a, not sort of, it was a, it was a huge loss. Yep. So in terms of identity, and then each individual tells us how getting this back, get, you know, get, learning the tradition again and being able to share it with others and, and who get it. Others who also uh, benefit from connecting to their culture, how it's part of your identity, you know, how it's part of your empowerment, their empowerment as individuals, as a nation even, all the dif- each person from a different nation, you know, with overlap across the nations, mm-hmm. but it's still part of reclaiming some of some of the power some of the power of of their traditions yep so yeah i think it's an excellent film this this ink runs deep if i could just throw in another because there aren't many documentaries for some reason but just in in, because it's a documentary i like to tie things together um there's another really interesting film called no crying at the dinner table 
and a, a camera, a camera, a, f- a filmmaker <laughs> turns her camera onto her family. Okay. And they're, you know, very traditional Asian family. And uh, as in, you know, the parents immigrated and, you know. And so what happens is there's something that happened that they collectively experienced, but they don't talk about. And by turn, she actually opens the film uh, by reminding them, remember, or or checking, remember, we all agreed that we would all do this together. We all agreed that we'd talk about it later and we'd see it and then we would let others see it. So she's checking with them that they're still okay with that and then you get into it. And then each person slowly opens up about their point of view of what happened, but how directly they were involved and how it affected them. And watching individuals open up like that about something that was too terrible to speak about. Mm. Yeah, I, it's a bit, it's a bit unnerving. But it, it's it's like you have to admire the courage. Yeah. And when you get through it, it's like thank you for sharing this process with us. You know, we all learn from it, and it's because they had the guts, they had the courage to say, you know, it's not like what happened was anything that would be c- completely unusual. You know, it's just... But it was still enough to It was enough for that them family. that it was yeah. traumatic, but it's not, it, you know, it's not something, you know, where it was out of the, the logic of this world, you mm-hmm. know. It was something that, you know what, we can relate to that. And yep. thank you for sharing your experiences with us and your feelings and this ex- this whole experience, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cathartic for them. You can see at the end, which was a relief for me because I hate watching people suffering in real life in yeah. a documentary setting, you know. So, um, so yeah, no crying at the dinner table. So, do you want to talk about God's Nightmare? Of course I want to talk about God's Nightmares, another favorite. Yes, the latest from Daniel Cockburn. Who Coburn. Is, Coburn. Sorry, I have my notes written down. Daniel there. Coburn is a, he's, he's like an old local Torontonian mm-hmm. who's now living in England. But he comes back to visit, thankfully, and he, and he brings his films with him. So Yeah, and his last one, um, The Argument with Annotations, I, I quite like. That was a, a, a bit of a... A thinker. <laughs> yeah, and, he, yeah, and, and he his, does that. And his films always do that. And, and this one as well, God's Nightmare, where you have the narrator talking about a recurring nightmare, but it also goes into aspects of desire, horrors, a lot of interesting aspects of the film. And, and one of, I would say it's a, a trademark of his, at least based on this film and um, the last one mm-hmm. that he did, he uses cinema clips. While telling found his, footage, yeah, footage while telling his his story. So, and they're very well placed things. So you'll you'll be seeing a lot of films that you'll remember and you'll recognize. But he brings new, interesting meanings to them. You're just taking little frames and little sequences as you're listening to this narrator. Everything flows perfectly, and it just gives you a yeah. They seem to contrast, look. but they don't. Yeah. They don't. They actually uh, inform each other. And uh, what, what's striking, ab- and he does it again in this film, in, in one of the most genius ways. I really think this is, like, it, he makes amazing films. So that's why I'm hesitating. Um, 
he makes amazing films, so it's really hard to declare that one is more genius than another one. But hmm. this one, to me, I don't know, it particularly struck a chord. You know, it had that because he has this way of doing voiceovers. It seems simple, and yet it reverberates with so much. Yep. And then you start noticing the quality of the speaker's voice. This guy's in a state. He's really in a state. It's like, and it's called God's Nightmares, but he's sort of speaking like us. So, okay, where's the anxiety? Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, this this sounds kind of, I can relate to that. And it's like, are you insulting me? No, am I <laughs> insulting me? Yeah. You know, it starts taking on these like qualities where it almost to me started to feel like a nightmare yes and <laughs> and if the the nightmare is being just like us then you know the the fear of being ordinary like the fear of being That's that it. which you've created like it's it's like what so is many it? different layers and exactly. levels to this film you can't like we've told you something about it but you're when you go you'll get something different mm-hmm. or maybe a little bit of a variation of what both of us just told you about but this one, I swear, it's for as simple as a film is, this one bears repeat screenings. You know, it would be like, you know, if you're selling videos, Daniel, if, wherever you are, if you're selling videos, I'll buy one of these. <laughs> because it's, uh, I think it just will always keep giving, giving you something, yep. you know, perspective. It's really interesting. And the, the, the thing that's uncanny is this anxiety-ridden, neurotic kind of funny narrator but dry humor it's like it's like almost like Woody Allen back in the way 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 old days Mm -hmm. you know but uh, yeah so should I end on my on are you have you told all your favorites yeah I think so I think I'm good okay so I'm gonna end on my one thing I love about um, TIFF the shortcuts program is I get to see like a huge number of visions from all over visions of life from all over the world and some of them to me really strike me because they they take place in such different kinds of landscapes you know and um so there's two bear trees in the mist which takes place in Nepal and it's like way out in the countryside and the filmmaker takes full advantage of that with these gorgeous shots and like people, just tiny, tiny little people in this vast landscape. Um, and then you get into the story, which is, you know, a little boy is really excited because the neighbor, however far away they are, the neighbor has come back and he has gifts for the neighbors, his neighbors, including he, the boy, according to the boy, a sweater for the boy and a sweater for the mom. And so it's just the mom and the boy, and you can tell they are very, very, very poor. And the boy is very, very, very excited because, as he says, I'm tired of going to school with torn clothes. And uh, so the woman's hesitant, but she goes. So you see the the difference between the reality of the boy's dreams and the reality of the woman going to these people's house. To see what happened, to see, expecting a gift, really, and and really, like, like I said, it's like there's there's a way where 
this kind of film, because of its vast landscape, tells a story in a way that's more, takes on more epic proportions, you know? It's almost like I'm watching a fable, mm. but, um, but it's a morality tale. Interesting. Okay. In a way, you know, because it's like dream versus reality and their reality versus my reality and the extreme poverty and how that how it's different for the different people yeah. that we see in the film. So that's Bear Trees in the Mist. And then the the next one, A Fool God, which um let me just double check where she so it's a it's a French film uh the filmmakers from Ethiopia and a full god is about uh a grandmother and her two grandchildren boy and a girl and the girl does something against a superstition okay grandma's really mad at her cuz she thinks that something then happened something tragic happened because of what the girl did mm-hmm. And so the rest of the film is this sort of clash. It's it's even the girl's perspective. She's a very young girl. Her brother is even younger. But it's this sort of clash between grandma's old ways and this young girl and her like independence and her thinking. It's, it doesn't it, you don't really see what it's connected to, but she, she's just younger. So it's sort of yeah. like a younger generation version. And the way that it plays out is in a story, a story that the grandma keeps telling, and you hear in the voice over the young girl after she gets in trouble for doing that thing. She says, I don't get it. Grandma drives me crazy. She's a fool. Mm-hmm. She just tells the story of this poor farmer. And then we see grandma tell the story. And while she does, the camera's very focused on that family and their neighbors and their sort of their surroundings, right? And then after that, it, the, the girl's voiceover and her point of view completely take over. And then she tells the story, and there's a variation on it. And when she tells the story, it gets played out with not a naturalistic setting. With She t- actually tells it twice, d- variations twice. Yeah. But it's telling, right, in the way which what happens in each version. And it's also telling in the different hue that each version takes. So it's like I said, it's, it's, it, it comes to, to life before our eyes, but it is like a fable because it takes on this like blue hue. Mm-hmm. And the possibilities of that, the narrative possibilities, but also the metaphoric possibilities, you know, just in this simple act of observing these individuals in their in their you know landscape and telling their stories yeah and the way how stories can impact people but also as you said be shifting based on the view yeah. or when someone's telling it yeah yeah and how you know you you kind of have this clash of generations but it's only suggested in this and where did the story come from like it sounds like a superstition but then the girl turns it into something else. It sounds like an old fable. The girl turns it into something else, but it plays out like an old fable. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot. These these are the kinds of films that I love because there's a lot to think about after yes. and a lot. Uh, you take in a lot. You get a sense of things that's different, you know, than we, when, you know, we do in Canada, you know, from the Western world and stuff, right? 
So that's that's why I love these shorts. Yes, and this, again, the selection this year is, is outstanding. So you'll definitely find something that suits your taste and your, your needs. Absolutely. I mean, we could have gone on because <laughs> there's so many good ones. But we had to limit ourselves to these. And, um, yeah, go to tiff.net and please, you know, try and figure out how to get to, to in to see these shorts. They're really a highlight. Yes. All right. So next week, More Canadian. Tiff. Yes. Canadian features. Yes. Yes. All right. We're going to highlight some. We're going to talk to somebody, too. But we'll tell you then. So that's it for Frameline for this week. Thanks for listening.